uh, specialty is not the bulletin. Um, in case anyone was aware, I'm not uh, an expert in making sure that the bulletin is typo-free. <laughs> There's so many typos this week. I was just looking through them and realizing it. Also, my, my wife wanted to let everyone know that um, we, she, you know, this is her first time doing communion for the month, and she didn't realize that the bread that we're supposed to use is the rectangle one. And so if your bread tasted like paper, that's because we used the wrong bread this week, so sorry about that. And I would like to point out, you know, this is, I guess this is a moment of truth time. I'd like to point out that just because me and Grayson match, it isn't a coincidence. I woke up this morning and had a shirt that was picked out for me to wear. So, you know, don't think that this is like some sort of divine providence that my son and I are matching. It, it's, it's my wife that made it happen. So, you know, just pointing that out there. I want to clear that up. Well, we're, it started last couple weeks. We've been doing a series on, on the people of God, on what it means to be the church. Uh, we talked about the authority of God over all things, including family, including government, um, and the different levels of authority within our faith. And then we talked last week about the responsibilities, the roles, the characteristics of an elder, of a, of a shepherd of the church, and how it's modeled after the shepherd of Christ. Well, this morning we're looking at another role within the body of believers, and that's our deacons. And we're going to see what it means to, to fulfill the biblical understanding of a deacon. And we're going to see how this fits our, uh, another understanding of who Christ is. And how this reflection of a deacon, of a biblical deacon, is a reflection of the very nature of Christ as well. And so before we jump into to the word, before we jump into the message this morning, let's, let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, as we study this morning... As we study what it means to be your people, I, I pray, God, that we are a church here that is built on your word. That everything we model our gatherings after, everything we model our assemblies after, everything we model our understanding of being a family, of being the bride of Christ, it's all based off of your word. And so, Lord, as we make that commitment, I just pray that your word opens up for us, that your spirit pours out that we understand what we're called to be and do in our service of you and in our submitting to who you are. Thank you for your love, for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So last week I, I opened up talking about role models, how people we look up to can often inspire us to do good things, to become better people. Or they can inspire us to wrestle our best friends right before church on a Sunday morning. You know, sometimes our role models influence us to do not so good things. Uh, but but uh, the, the point was, no matter what we do in life, we're often influenced by someone. How we dress, how we talk, how we act. People influence us to do certain things. People influence us to say and act a certain way. Our vernacular is handed down through society, through generations. And, and this, is, this happens on many of a scale. I, I, I really hope that in the 80s, the way that people dressed, the way that people spoke, that that wasn't just, you know, 
everyone at the same time got together and said, we're going to start doing this. I, I really hope that it was influenced by famous people in pop culture because some of the things that happened in the 80s were, when I look back on it, I don't understand what's going on. Maybe those of you who lived through the 80s, you can remember who influenced you to do certain things, who, who, who influenced you to talk a certain way, to, to hold certain interests. But, but the point is, the things we do, we wear, the things we say, the aspects of our lives are influenced by certain aspects of culture by certain famous people, by things that trickle down into our everyday lives. And, and the church isn't exempt from this. The church is, is influenced, unfortunately so, I would say, by certain levels, not only of culture, but also of American society. And I would say that we are most influenced by corporate America. And this is evident just in some of the way that we name certain things. And I have uh, some examples here of, of things within the modern church that are a reflection of names within corporate America. Think, for example, the chief executive officer of a corporation. Well, we often call pastors or the head pastor an executive pastor or the, the pastor that is over all is called the executive pastor. That's a reflection of a CEO, or we often refer to or think of corporate offices, places where people work and go and, and do things for the corporation. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but the pastor's office used to be called a study. And it wasn't until recently as a reflection of corporate America that we started referring to the church offices as that rather than the pastor's study. Well, this is a reflection. This is a, a trickle down from corporate America. Or how about expense reports and financial reports, executive recruiters in the business world, and search committees in the church, the board of directors within a corporation, board members within the church, the chairman of the board in a business, the chairman of the board in a church. And the point I'm making isn't that you know, we need to get rid of all these positions or, or rename them even. I'm just saying that there is clearly an influence with corporate America that has brought itself into the structure of the church. And, and I'm not saying that corporate America is a bad thing. I'm not saying um, that, that capitalism is evil or anything like that. But I, I think it's important that we see the influence, what aspects of influence outside the world, outside of the church, that it has on the church, that it has on the way we, we come to initially understand aspects of the church. You know, if I asked someone, and I wish I had done this, I wish I had Avery asked the, the youth in their last Sunday night group, if I asked some of them what they think of a deacon as, I would almost guarantee that our younger people would identify a deacon more similarly to what a corporation would under, identify a board member or a board of directors member than an understanding of what a biblical deacon is. And I think that happens in a lot of areas within our church. That because we model or influence in certain aspects of society, we bring that into the church, we kind of sometimes miss what the biblical precedent, what the biblical understanding, what the biblical definition of something within the church is meant to be. And so after all this is said, you know, what we're going to be asking today is what is the biblical version? What is the biblical definition of a deacon? What, what, when we look at scripture, when we look at what it means to be a deacon within scripture, what is scripture teaching us about that role within the church? And 
and is the way that we tech, often define it in the modern church, is it a good reflection of what the writers of Scripture had to understand about the role of deacons? So first, we've got to find the origin of deacons. To understand first what a deacon is, what a biblical deacon entails, we've got to see where they first began. So turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1, this is as the church is starting out, it's still based in Jerusalem. It hasn't really spread yet. It says in verse 1, in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint among the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews, that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So this here is the origin of where the biblical role of a deacon comes up. That up until this point, the church had been really operated solely from the disciples, by the apostles. That, that they were sent out by Christ to do the work of the church, to establish the church, to grow the church, to create new disciples, to serve the church, to serve others outside of the church. These were what the disciples were called to do. So if you want to pull up that chart here. We have three understandings of different roles within the church, in the biblical church. You have the apostles, those who were sent out. They were the deliverers of the gospel of Christ. This entailed teaching of who Jesus is, teaching of how he fits into the Old Testament scriptures pictures, serving others outside of the church and within the church, working miracles, showing the spirit of God within them. That's what an apostle did. They established and helped make sure the church of Christ was founded on what Christ asked them to do. But here we come to this point where the disciples are increasing. The apostles who have been sent out to do the work of Christ are making more disciples. And they're growing. The church is growing. It's expanding. And people are starting to get forgotten. Now, if you ask any mega church pastor, a pastor of a really large church, what their biggest struggle is, it's almost always going to, they're almost always going to say, making sure everyone feels involved, making sure everyone gets attend, uh, it, it has, is being attended to, is, is, is being a part of the church. Because the bigger you grow, the easier it is to let people fall through the cracks. And what was happening is people were falling through the cracks. Widows who the church was called to look after, to serve, to care for, were being overlooked. Not necessarily because, you know, people cared more about the Hebraic Jews than the Hellenistic ones. Maybe that was part of it. But the other part of it is they didn't have the capabilities. They didn't have the push to serve everyone. And so the disciples, they meet together and, and they say, you know, we don't want to give up teaching. We don't want to give up pouring out the word. We don't want to give, out, give up growing the body. So we need to make sure that people are getting attended to, that people are getting served, that the physical needs of people are being addressed. And that's where the role of deacon comes in, that the deacons become to be the hands of the church, the servers, the providers of physical needs. And this isn't 
to, to diminish what the disciples are doing. This isn't to diminish the role of an elder, but it's to enhance it. So what we see based off of last week, based off of this text here, the apostles are the sent ones. They're the ones that bring the church to fruition, that, that work to teach the ways of Christ, that create a foundation for the church based off of Christ. They establish elders that are teaching the word, that are, are moved by the spirit. And they bring deacons in who are the hands of the church, who serve the church, who serve people outside of the church. And so based off of this scripture here, the origin of deacons originated in order to help to care and serve others. They, they originated as a way to fulfill the fullness of what the church is called to do. The apostles couldn't do everything. The elders couldn't do everything. The deacons couldn't do everything. But together, all the different roles were able to fulfill what the church was called to do. And so this is the origin of where what we come to understand deacons begins. Now, how do we know that what is being referenced here is a deacon? How do we know that, that what is being called here, what, what is being referenced to here in this passage is what we understand as a deacon? You know, it just says that they were called to, to, to bring seven men of good reputation to appoint to the duty of caring for widows. How do we know that this is the role of a deacon? Well, we know based off of what gets said by the 12, it says it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. That word that is used there is the word that we use for deacon, diakonos, diakonos, however you, there's a certain accent somewhere and I can't remember where the accent is, but diakonos is the word for deacon. It's the word that is used here, the same word that is used for waiting on tables. It's the word for servant. Diakonos means servant, messenger, minister, helper, server of tables. It was a common term that was used, and it's used all throughout Scripture. But the emphasis of this is someone who is serving the needs of another. So when we think of a waiter, we're thinking of someone who gets paid to bring the food to someone, to bring the drinks to someone, to provide a need for someone. And it's sometimes easy to read into this text here where the, the disciples are saying, you know, we're going to do this, let someone else wait on the tables. Almost as like they're dismissing this role. But they're not dismissing it. They're saying this is an important role. And we can't, we can't fulfill the vast nature of this role. So we got to make sure that someone else is doing their due diligence in serving the needs of others, of caring for the needs of others. Now, this word that is used here in order to say waiter or to say someone who waits on tables or servant of tables, it's used all throughout the New Testament. It's used by Christ. It's used elsewhere by Paul. Listen to, to uh, take, for example, Philippians 1.1. At the start of Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, that beginning of his letter is a way of him describing who he is. He doesn't say, Paul and Timothy, I'm an apostle, I'm in charge, I'm your boss, listen to me. He doesn't say, Paul and Timothy, sent by God to do the work. He doesn't say, Paul and Timothy, I'm the executive guy. He says, Paul and Timothy, servant. Paul and Timothy, 
diaconus, servant of Christ Jesus. Now, that same word that Paul uses to describe himself and Timothy is that same word that we use for deacons, servant. It's the same word that Paul uses, the same exact word that Paul uses in 1 Timothy, where in 1 Timothy 3.8, he's about to describe the rules of deacons, and he says, diakonos, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, and we'll get into the details of that in a second. But the point is, he uses the same word of servant as he does for the title of this role within the church. But a lot of times, we, because of what gets lost in translation here, all we see is that in the English version, in 1 Timothy 3, he's referencing deacons with a capital D. Where in Philippians 1.1, where he's referencing you know, who he is, it's servant with a lowercase s. But in reality, he's describing the same thing. He's saying, Paul, myself, I serve Christ. I serve what he's called me to do. And deacons, they come into this calling that they're, they have. They serve the church. They serve Christ by serving the church. That is the fullness of of what that title means, of what that role is. Diakonos shows us the fundamental nature of service within a deacon. You cannot be a deacon, or you shouldn't be a deacon, unless you realize that that role is a call to serve others, to serve the church, to serve Christ. Now, the reason why it's important that we understand the background of the word that describes deacon is because when we conflate this with our understanding of corporate America, of board members in corporate America, that's a title of hierarchy. That's someone who has worked into this position of authority that gets to make big decisions that, that governs the way the direction of the company is going. In reality, a deacon... In the early church, a servant in the early church, they were the hands of the church. They were the people that cared for the widows. They were the people that went out and made sure that those who were poor in the community had a way to survive. They were the ones that whenever all of the wealthy people in Rome left because there was a plague, they were the ones that stayed back and cared for the sick. They were servants first. It wasn't a position of authority as much as it was a position of humility. And we see that simply from the word that is used to describe this role. Now, with that being said, we do know that this wasn't simply a term used. I mean, it was a term that was used to describe Christians. It, it was a term used to describe what happens within this role. But it is also a role within the church, the same as an elder overseer is a role, the same as an apostle disciple is a role within the church. There's a duality of meaning. There's a duality of saying, I am a servant of Christ, I'm a servant of the church. Every single member of the church serves Christ. But there's also those who are the servants of the church. Those are the deacons. There are those who are spiritual shepherds of their families. And then those who are the elders the spiritual shepherds of the whole church. There's a duality in the meanings here. And so what we have to understand 
first and foremost, a deacon is a servant. But what are the other roles of the deacon? What are the other requirements of a deacon? Well, we look here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, and Paul lays it out. He's, remember, this is following what he just said about elders and overseers. And then he says, deacons likewise. Meaning in the same way that he holds a high standard and a high esteem for an elder, for a spiritual shepherd, for a mature leader of the church, he likewise, he likewise holds a high standard of a deacon. He says they should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the, ministry, the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children with their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So what we see here in Timothy are that deacons are supposed to represent the church with certain qualities, certain attributes, attributes of a mature and bold faith, attributes of being respectful and responsible. People should see a deacon and see someone who, who is respectful, who's not hypocritical, who doesn't have a double standard, who's responsible with what they've been given in their family, with what they've been given in their personal occupation. That is wise. Deacons should be steadfast in their faith, hold with a clear conscience that they have remained committed to their faith. They should be caring for those who are in need, for those who struggle, for those who the world might see as lesser than. They should be faithful to their call. These are what deacons, the qualities, the attributes, the characteristics that represent a deacon. And it's laid out very clearly here by Paul in these verses. But deacons are also meant to be something else. Yes, they have these qualities. They represent the church in these specific ways. But they're also servant leaders. Meaning they're not called to just go out and do everything while the rest of the body sits back and watches. No, they lead by example. Look at Acts chapter 2 again. Or Acts chapter 6, sorry. In verse, verse 2, the twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, who we can appoint to this duty. The apostles understood the importance of ensuring that the church was being fed spiritually, that it was being fed with the word, that it was being fed biblically, that there was a foundation of the church. But they also understood that the church was called to serve others, that it was called to be the hands and feet of Christ to the world. And so while the disciples made sure that they were preparing themselves to teach, to lead, to shepherd, they wanted to ensure that there were those who were leading by example and serving. That they were those who, who cared for others. That they were those who were filled with the spirit, who were filled with wisdom, 
who were good reputation so that they could go out and do this work and lead others to do the same work. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but here is the role model of a deacon. In the following pages of, of Acts here, in the, in the next chapter, we get the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who stood before the Jewish crowd, looked within the eyes those who were about to stone him, and held firm to his faith, who filled with wisdom and, and the Spirit, proclaimed to them the good news of Christ. Right after he had just been healing the sick and caring for the poor, Stephen faced martyrdom. Stephen wasn't considered an elder of the church. He wasn't considered a disciple, an apostle of the church. He was a deacon. When it says the seven men they appointed, the very first they say is they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That's the model of a deacon of the early church. But sometimes the modern church, we think of deacons as the people who get to make decisions on how we spend our money, as the people who get to have a vote, of the people who they have a little bit less authority than the elders, but they're right up there. Now, a deacon is someone who serves someone who loves, who cares for those in need, and who is willing to go as far as they need to go to make sure the love of God is realized, even to the point of death. Stephen is the model of a biblical deacon. Deacons represent the church with their characteristics of a mature and bold faith, of their responsibility, of their steadfast love, of their care for others, of the way they manage their own households. And they lead by example, not only in the way they serve others, but in their willingness and the extent that they're willing to go to serve and love Christ. That is the example of a deacon. Now, if we base our understanding of deacons within the church simply off of how corporate America is structured, we're going to place a minimal emphasis on deacons because the way we're going to see it is deacons are just board members that have a vote and are a little bit less than the elders. You know, they're not the same as, as the people that are the higher ups because that's how corporate America is structured. It's a pyramid. It's a hierarchy. You have the top guy. Then you have the two guys underneath it and it just keeps spreading out. So deacons, yeah, they're important, but they're not as important as the elders. But biblically speaking, Biblically speaking, deacons and elders, they're this, they just have two different roles. The elders are the shepherds of the church. They ensure that the church is preaching the word. They ensure that the, the body of Christ is being protected from the wolves of the world, from the heresies of the world. They ensure that the, the church is modeling the spirit, that the spirit is pouring through the church. Deacons... Because that's too much for the elders to do that and lead the church in service, deacons are the ones that are called to do the serving, to be the hands, to be the feet, to lead the church in doing that and caring for the poor and caring for the broken and caring for those in the church who are struggling. It's not that deacons are less important than elders. It's that deacons help 
the elders where the elders couldn't do everything, where the apostles and disciples couldn't do anything. But because of how we often conflate the church with corporate America, we see everything as a hierarchy. I was talking to a minister friend here recently, actually, and, and we were talking about this series that we were doing, about this series on, on teaching the structure of the church, on the structure of leaders within the church. And, and he mentioned, you know, he had an idea of, you know, here, here's, how, here's how you can teach this. You know, you start with Christ, and then you model the elders underneath it, and then you model the deacons underneath it, then you model the people underneath it. And I, I said... That's what corporate America is. That's not the church. The church holds Christ at the center. Christ serves us. Christ shepherds us. Christ is is who and both find their example in Christ. We said last week, elders find their example in the good shepherd of Christ who cares for the sheep, who lays down his life for the sheep, who protects them from the wolves that seek to kill and destroy. Well, likewise... The model of deacons is modeled after that of Christ. Listen to what Paul, I'm going to close in this. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, of a diakonos taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of, so at, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Jesus is the example of what it means to be a deacon. Because who has humbled themselves in the form of a servant more so than the Son of God who became man and died on a cross so that we could become his church. So when we operate as the church, we're operating as a reflection of him who shepherds us, whom serves us, who cares for us, who wants us to grow. And so the role of a deacon is a reflection of the humility of Christ. And it's the humility of the Christ that we are all sitting here today. So we asked earlier whether or not the modern church's understanding of deacons fits the biblical version. And I'll let you decide the answer for yourself on that. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But I'm saying in a lot of ways we have allowed aspects of the world to imprint itself on the way the church operates. And we have to be aware that we are a reflection of Christ, including the way that we live out our lives as the church. We're a reflection of his shepherding care for us. We are a reflection of his service for us and for others. And so rather than looking at the world and thinking, how does the world run its organizations? Let's look to Christ and say, how are we called to run and operate and live out his church because it's through him through his service through his care through his humility that we're even gathered gathered here in the first place and with that being said i i hope that all of us realize that this is his church we are his 
body. And if you can't say that with assurance, then you're not part of that body. And I encourage you to take the spirit that he has provided, to take the sacrifice that he has given, the the atonement that he has served us, and accept it. Because unless you say, I want to follow him, I want to let his life come into me, his spirit guide me, then we're not a part of his eternal church. And so as we're his church here, let's reflect him. And if you don't have him within you, let him serve you. Because he gave up his life for you. So that we can be his people. Not just here, but for all of eternity. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. Father God, you served us through your son who took on the form of humanity, who humbled himself in such a profound way. Who are we to ever say that we don't want to be humble? Who are we to ever think that it's all about garnering power and authority? Lord, help us in this world to humble ourselves the way you humbled us to serve others the way you so emphatically served us. God, don't let us forget about your service through your son. Don't let us ever take it for granted because it's through that service that not only are we a reflection of you here, but we get to remain as your people through all of eternity. We get to dwell with you to witness your glory in its fullness for all of eternity. And so God, as as we are your church here, empower us and strengthen us to guard it, to shepherd the flock, to, to hold on to your truth, but also embolden us to serve with humility the same way that you served us in such a profoundly humble way. Thank you for your love your care for us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.